0: Knowing what you know now, what advice would you have for somebody who's going through that right now?
1: Well, I would say if you're not married, don't do it. (laughs) I mean, that's easy for me to say. I I, I would just say this to women and young young women out there. You cannot change a person. You cannot do it. The only person who has the power to change is the person themselves. And if you think that you're going to love them enough or that they're going to love you enough. Let me tell you, it is not about you. It is not about you. I mean, that's easy for me to say, but I'm just telling you that you cannot change a person. There's a saying now that sort of floats around in the addiction community, and that is that <clears throat> the, the gateway drug is trauma.
2: Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin.
0: This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today I'm talking to Denise Bernardini, and she actually came to me from the uh, one of the podcast groups that I'm a part of uh, in that batch of posts that I put out for uh, Bottoms and Life Struggles, and uh, she's here and she wants to talk about being a uh, victim of... Uh, an alcoholic, well, maybe not a victim, but, uh, dealing with an alcoholic, uh, husband, uh, as a wife. And, you know, I think that, you know, I do talk about a lot about, uh, people and, and life struggles on the opposite end of that, like as an addict coming through that. But I really think it's important to also show the other side of it, you know, cause there are two sides to addiction. You know, you have the person that's going through it, and usually the people that are around them that have to deal with that. And so, you know, I I really think it's important to get that side of the story as well. Denise, how are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you, Sean. Um, yeah, I, you know, using the word victim when you said that, I sort of like it jolted me a little bit because I um when I was in that marriage, I certainly saw myself as a victim. I I um definitely, you know, blamed him for all of our woes, right? But as you grow up, you realize how much you played a part in some of the things that go on. And I have to say this, he has been sober for two years. And um, so I'm happy for him. Um, of course, there's there's no going back at this point, right? I'm, I'm remarried, he's remarried, our children are grown up. But I'm very happy for my children's sake that he has finally figured out how to live his life without substance. So, um but it was a very long road, I must say. We we married um first of all let me tell you the story of how we met. We met because my father is a minister and his dad was a our Sunday school superintendent. So, I come from a very staunch evangelical background. And um, they sat, his family sat on the front row of our church every Sunday, and we were best friends in uh, part of elementary school and part of middle school. And then my father took another uh, church gig somewhere else, right? We moved. We lost contact. And then about um, 10 or so years later, um, I'm a professional musician, and I was traveling with a group out of Nashville, and we were... doing tours of universities, colleges, um, doing some, um, corporate functions and things like that. And I with a band of people, musicians. And so I was in that area and reached out to his mother and said, Hey, I'm, I'm in town. You know, we loved your family so much. And she was like, Oh, my son is going to want to I'm going to not use his name, by the way. Okay. But uh, my son was uh, will love to talk to you. Here's his phone number. Call him. So I did, and he came and saw me, and we just picked right back up where we had come from. You know, I mean, our our relationship just sort of picked back up. We started writing. This was obviously before the days of <laughs> texting, but um, anyway, we started writing. We sort of corresponding through letters and. And sort of you know rekindled and in love interest in that way and and then lo and behold, my dad takes another church somewhere else, but I'm living in Nashville, I own a condo, I'm on the road, I've got a lot of things that are holding me there, but I decide I'm gonna get off the road I'm gonna go back to school and um finish my college degree and uh, but what better place to do it than where my parents are the very so I I moved out to Norman, Oklahoma and, and we, um, you know, fell in love again. And I really had been told and was convinced that it was, and I'm going to put air quotes on this God's will for us to be together. (laughs) So, uh, we, we, uh, dated for about three years and yeah, I was like, what's up with all the partying and not that I didn't, partake because I, I did, I was hyper curious about alcohol because it was not allowed in my home. So I had no idea what alcoholism looked like. I thought it was, the you know, the old drunk guy that, that slept on a curb. I didn't know as a young person and very naive, I didn't know that you could actually kind of go through life having an addiction problem. Never, never dawned on me. Right. But, um, you know, there would be parties and things where he would like be passed out and I'd be embarrassed or whatever. But for whatever reason, I continued in the in the relationship. He always seemed to struggle with money, stuff like that. But hey, I I'm gonna save him, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of it. <laughs> He'll grow up and I marry him and we'll make a pact not to have alcohol in the house and that we'll only drink when we go out and I'll control it and I'll I'll manage it, right? All those stupid things that go through, um, and there'll be a lot of women who don't like me for saying this, but it'll go through women's minds, that they can change, salvage, fix the person, right? They're going to fix it. Well, <clears throat> surprise, it does not fix it. In fact, my managing it, my trying to deal with it only enhanced the problem. Right. So three years into marriage, I'm like, okay, something is wrong. Let's go see a marriage counselor. We went and saw a marriage counselor. And this marriage counselor was so smitten by my husband, who's quite good looking and very, very articulate and very smart. Right. (laughs) And so smitten by him. She's like, she tells me I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That I, that I, it must be me because if he weren't, this is her, these were her exact words. I will never forget them because it shocked me. So, if if he's an alcoholic, you would be you would have lost everything. It, he would be he, he he can't be an alcoholic because he hasn't reached bottom yet. And I go, What? What kind of sense does that make? <laughs> I said, oh, do we want to wait till it gets to that point? Why are we not talking about it now? Why are we not trying to change it now? And she was like, mm, I think he should come see me by himself. Yeah, well no she say- <laughs> He's attractive. I get that, but
0: I got a spot for him right here on the couch.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So I, you know, we went home and had a big fight, and I'm like, I'm not going back to her. That bitch is crazy. So, (laughs) so so we 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 didn't we didn't go back, right? And then, like, maybe three years later, um, uh. No, I take that back. A few years later, then we're still struggling, but it's a it's a it's a process. Like there are times when he's really doing well and he's got a great job and everything's cool. And then he and then he tanks and he loses that job and I catch him in lies. And, you know, it's that sort of a thing. And I'm thinking, you know, I love this person, but I'm not having kids with this guy. I'm not doing it. right. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> so anyway, I Oops. um Yeah, right. I lose my sister to breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I left where I was living, which was in Texas, and I went back to Oklahoma to try to help my family. And at that point I'm thinking, you know, I really want out of this marriage, but how do I survive another loss? I don't really know how I can. Not only lose my sister, but lose my husband at the same time who i who I still really love right so i'm because he has a lot of great qualities. the alcoholism doesn't really define the fact that he's smart, he's funny, he's charming he's in fact in many ways it enhances that right yeah, so,
0: so did you i'm going to interrupt you real quick so yeah. did you so a lot a lot of a lot of the 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 ways that People in addiction, full, full. Well, it's not so much fooling you, but it's it's you get. You were talking about the ups and the downs. You get these glimpses of the person that you actually fell in love with, from time yes. to time, and okay. it's like, oh my god, yes, he's still there. And yes. so maybe there's maybe there's a chance, and but it just you know it, it never fails. It, it it just okay, boom, there it goes again. And so I think a lot of the times, I mean, God, it's gotta, it's gotta be difficult, but go, go ahead, finish your story and we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll get to the rest of that.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Cause there'd be these long, you know, fairly long periods, say like a year where he'd be doing great. And I, and it, it would be this, it would be the person I married and, and we would be, and then there'd be I guess sometimes two years, um, maybe two <laughs> years where, uh, life would go back to being shitty, like a job would be lost and we'd be struggling with money. And, and this was, you know, in the late eighties and he was making $75,000 a year working for Williams company. And it was not enough money. That was a lot of money then. Right. But it was not, and we didn't have kids, you know, we, there was no reason for us to be struggling with money, but we were constantly, and I'd keep trying to figure out where it was going and, and I'd get gaslighted and it would just be, you know, and I grew up in a home where you don't take control of the money. You're the woman. You let the man do that. Right. Wow. You don't do it. So I'm, I'm trying to, you know, still have one foot in that world and have another foot in the world of, you know, he, clearly we're, we're not, we're not uh, participating in the evangelistic, evangelistic view of drinking because, you know, I like, I'm, I'm going to have a glass of wine and he's going to have 40, but, but that's beside the point. Um, so, you know, we, we uh, struggled with that for a while. And then he went to AA and he was like, I know, you know, that this loss of your sisters is really played a toll and. And I had left him in Texas. So he's like, but I want us to be back together and I want you to know I'm trying to get better. I'm going to AA. It's not going to be a problem anymore. Let's put our lives back together. Let's, let's be together. I love you. And I'm, and I'm so uh, raw and so broken at that point that one more loss is not something I can take off. So I agreed to go back. Well, you know, Nine months later, I'm pregnant with child number one, and um, and now I'm like, okay, I cannot walk away from this relationship ever. I have a child now. Oh, I know. What and you're,
0: I know how you feel with that one.
1: And then, and then, nine months later, ha ha ha! There's another one. Oh and so, no! Yeah, I mean,
0: now you're doubly stuck.
1: I'm doubly stuck. Yes. (laughs) All right. It's my thinking. I'm doubly stuck. Yeah. So I actually have, uh, at that point I am, uh, having my second Carnegie hall performance and I am, uh, going to Carnegie hall and, you know, we're excited. We get the grandparents to babysit. We go to New York and, I now at this point I kind of have a clue, right? Like I, I I see that there's something not quite right. And he seems to be spiraling a little bit, but I can't figure out what's triggering it. But anyway, so uh we when I get home, there's a five hundred dollar bill for scotch at the hotel in New York. And I'm like, oh oh my lord, really? So and you know it's a hotel, in New York. So this the bottle of scotch was probably one hundred and fifty dollars. You know if they mark it up or whatever, which is easy to do if you're drinking a twenty five year old scotch, right? So he, you know, we we fight, blah blah blah, and things are really on the outs now. I mean, I have had enough, really, pretty much enough, and I throw myself into fixing a home we live in. So. I am doing all of the repairs. I hired somebody. I'm doing it side by side with him. I'm learning how to lay tile. And all I'm trying to do is just not have to think about it. Right. Like I'm, I'm completely just distracting myself from the shit show I'm living in. <laughs>
0: yeah. and, and I, um,
1: and, and, and I get all of that done. It takes me about nine months to get all that done. I'm standing out in the yard, I'm looking at the house and I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. My house looks so great. And literally, someone walked up to me and said, are you Denise? And I had a different last name then. And I said, yes. And they said, consider yourself served. And I look at this piece of paper, and my house is up for sheriff sale. And he'd been watching me work on this house, knowing full well he's not making house payments. Mm.
0: Oh.
1: So, that day... I, I try to find out how long it is before the house is up for sale, and I, I have a week, some weeks. I I then um, go and buy a small safe. I start applying for credit cards in my name, and I uh, they came pretty quickly. I bought the safe, hid it in my in my closet. I started hoarding every bit of money that I could. I took on about 25 extra voice students because I teach voice and, and, and asked them to pay me in cash. And I started putting that cash in that, in, in that um, safe. Now at this point, he's not, he's not coming home a lot. And when he does, he's sleeping on the couch, basically all the time. When he's not out drinking, he's sleeping it off on the couch. So he's completely unaware, completely unaware. And I just start really hoarding and saving. And and within about a month, I have enough money to go get myself another place to live. And I have enough money to buy myself a van and pay for myself to move out of that house. And when I finally tell him, hey, the house is up for share sale. Thank you very much. Your stuff's on the front porch. Don't come home because there's no home to come to. We have moved out. Now my sons are four and about one and a half at that point. Two, two well no, let's see. Mm, yeah, they're small. They are. I guess I guess my oldest would be about three and a half, and the other one would be around two. Because they're they're not in school yet. They're they're babies. So um and of course he didn't fight really. He didn't, he didn't even really try. He was like, okay. So I, um, literally moved out, went, went and, and, and thinking, and at the time I owned a music school. So, uh, you know, like one of those places where kids come in and I had a violinist who taught. And anyway, I go and I file for divorce. I, I go and see a lawyer I file for divorce and make long story short. The judge says, you're going to have to prove that you can have health insurance for these children if you want sole and complete custody. So I'm like, okay, I I sell the place. I didn't get a lot of money for it, but I didn't own the building, but I just kind of sold the clientele to another local voice teacher, um, musician, and um, went back and started teaching uh, uh, elementary music, which was not something I wanted to do, but I taught elementary school music, so that I could get the quickest way, I knew to get a uh, health insurance policies for the boys that I could afford, right? But I'm quickly realizing that you know, teaching school in public school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the pay is awful, and <laughs> I and, and I'm I'm also quickly realizing that you know, paying rent, paying paying all the things that I need to pay, and having my sons be able to do things that other kids get to do, right? Like pay to play sports. And I know that's going to be really important to both of them pay, you know, having, having music lessons, doing all the things that a mother, a parent wants their kid to experience. I knew that I was going to have to do something more than that. So on a lark, I thought I'm going to apply to go to school, get my, get my doctorate so that I can teach on higher ed and actually make a decent living. And I didn't think it was going to work out, but it actually did. I got a scholarship. I I was a T I was a, a fellow, a teaching fellow there and had all of my tuition paid for. And I, I moved the kids to that area of Norman, Oklahoma from Tulsa. And we, I went back to school and, uh, the rest, as you guess you would say is sort of history. I've, I've been head of a department. I'm, I'm, um, considered top in my field or one of the top people in my field. I'm published. I'm, you know, all of the things that you do to get tenure, all and uh, you know, those kinds of things. So uh and for all those years while I was in school until I finished, I remained unmarried and raising my children by myself and going to school and working three jobs. And uh I'll never forget the day I told my finally told my parents I, I purposely, and this was after the the house was up for sale, uh, or for share of sale. I purposely told my parents in a Cracker Barrel, because I knew my mother was going to probably have a nervous breakdown and cry and whatever, and that their first concern would be, what are the people at church going at our church going to think? Now you're. And I had heard my mother say on more than one occasion, you know, if you get a divorce and you remarry or you get a divorce, you can't ever remarry because then you're going to be guilty of, right? Of, of, um, being a, a, uh, what do you call, what do they call adulterer? You're going to be, a, you're going to become an adulterer, right? And, and I couldn't see myself living alone the rest of my life, right? But at the same time, I really didn't want to, I wasn't also hoping to really date very soon either. Yeah. So, uh, cause I'd kind of had enough, but, but certainly um, I, and I really thought they might disown me, that they might be here, here on your own, but they surprised me. They really surprised me. They, they were like, whatever you need, we'll, we'll help you whatever you want whatever you need to do. Um, my dad was like, where is he right now? You know, I mean, you know, uh, and, and, um, but it was a surprise. And for 14 years I had helped, and this is where I, where I had to come to terms with the fact that I'm not a victim. I actually played a pretty big part in it for 14 years. I helped him hide it. Right. Mm. I helped him. I tried to manage it. I tried to, I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell my friends. I told no one. And that is a loneliness and a, a feeling I hope I never ever have to repeat, but I can remember being in my garage working out there and thinking, I am so desperate. And so I feel so hopeless. I don't know really if I can do this for another day. And I have to tell you that probably the only thing that kept me alive during that time were my sons and knowing that the only parent they had could not be this drunk. It had to be me. I had no choice. So that's the short of it.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah I I I probably chose the wrong words victim uh in in the beginning. Uh I mean yeah yeah you are to a certain extent but I mean not not a victim in the sense of like you would think of what a real victim is. You know what I mean like somebody right. who had been raped or you know right. who right. you know didn't didn't I mean I I I wouldn't necessarily say that you asked for it but you definitely had the ability to walk away at any point and didn't you know? And I think you're not the only person. A lot of people get caught in that, that situation. Oh, the kids, you know, I, we got to stay together for the kids, the children, you know, and, and all of these, these silly things. Um, I mean, I, I say it's silly because all you, you know, most of the time when you have situations like that and you stay for the kids, you ain't uh-huh. helping them kids. You're, you're, right. t- you're teaching them something that, that, that is going to debilitate them down the road because now when they run across that issue with, with the opposite sex or maybe something that they're involved in, they won't have the wherewithal to go like, Nope, get the fuck out. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. That's and, right. And, uh, you know, that that's, I think that, I mean, I, I kind of struggled with this too when I, when I left my, when I left my ex, uh, you know, and, and I was, i I'm the problem, you know, but my kid, my daughter was starting to see this, you know, this behavior and understanding it. Cause she's like almost three, but she was understanding it at two, what was happening, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, I gotta get out of here cause I, I, I gotta stop this right now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd much rather have two happy homes and one miserable one. Right. You know? Right. Uh, What would you what would you say um, to uh, either men or women, you know, because this isn't just, you know, this isn't just, you know, uh, uh, you know, for something that women go through. I mean, men go through it as well with with their wives, you know, that are alcoholics or drug addicts or or, you know, whatever it is that they're struggling with. What would you say? to somebody who's in that same position right now where you were 14 years uh, or maybe I'm going to even say 14 years, let's just say uh, uh, 10 years into this marriage and you've already started to see the signs. Right. And if Mm -hmm. you, and if you knowing what you know now, Mm -hmm. what would you, what advice would you have for somebody who's going through that right now?
1: Well, I would say if you're not married, don't do it. (laughs) But But I mean, that's easy for me to say. I I, I would just say this to women and young, young women out there. You cannot change a person. You cannot do it. The only person who has the power to change is the person themselves. And if you think that you're going to, that you're going to love them enough or that they're going to love you enough, let me tell you, it is not about you. It is not about you now his mother you know wanted to make it about me of course she's like well you know why he drinks because because you because of you 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 emasculate him well I I don't think so but um that's funny because he's been drinking since he was 14 behind your back what whose whose fault was it then you know but (laughs) but um and and uh I I I mean, that's easy for me to say, but I'm just telling you that you cannot change a person. There's a saying now that sort of floats around in the addiction community, and that is that the the gateway drug is trauma. And I know for a fact that he dealt, his father was an ex-49ers football player and terrorized those boys all of the boys in that family all have addiction issues. In fact, one of them died at 45 in his own vomit. It it is, and that family trauma was never, ever, ever, ever dealt with. And I would say that if you're with someone that you see these signs, you need to help them or try to figure out where the trauma comes from and encourage them to deal with the trauma. And if they don't, then the addictive behavior will probably always plague them. Uh, And so I think you can love somebody and be with somebody without uh, trying to manage their issues. I wish someone had sat me down when I was young and said, okay, are you going to be all right with the fact that he may never, ever be better than this, that this may be as good as it's ever going to get. And if I had said yes, I'm going to love him no matter what, if he puts us in the poor house, if we have to live in a tent or a trailer park or whatever, you know, which from my background, that would have been a really terrible thing to do, right?
0: I live in a trailer, but I mean, it's a very nice one.
1: Is it a trailer or an RV? Well, I
0: mean, well, I mean you know, I, I don't know what what's the difference.
1: Oh, I don't know. A trailer, you can, can, it has to stay where it is. It's on cement blocks and it's in a park. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I guess
0: so. It's a fifth wheel. I mean, I I can move it around. So that's cool. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stuck at the trailer park.
1: Yeah, no, that would be fun. Um, (laughs) But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the things that you, that you think of in terms of that, like babies walking around in diapers and dirty and and poverty and it's in the middle of the
0: street, you know what I mean? Mom's passed out or watching soap operas and you got all the kids running around and it's those those
1: kinds of things that you, that you envision when you think, you know, of of the bottom. Jerry Springer ish. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Or, 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 you know, being homeless. I mean, if somebody had said to me, Listen, you're never going to own a home. Your 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 cars are going to always be on the side of the road, and or because he would forget to put oil in the cars, and they would and they would, you know. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you you're not going to have a partner in any way, shape, or form. You are going to be the sole everything. If you want life, but you but this is it. You can make the decision right now that you're okay with that. That you love them enough. That you're okay with that, or you you need to decide to not go forward in this relationship. If I had had the, if someone had had the ability to sit me down and have that conversation with me, that would have maybe made a huge difference, but hindsight's 2020, 20, right? But I actually did have this conversation with a young girl not very long ago who confided in me that you know, she thinks her boyfriend has a problem with some with a drug and blah blah blah. And I said, honey, sit down. What if it never gets any better than this? You gonna love him enough to do that? And she went home and broke up with him. I mean
0: I, I <laughs> sometimes I, all it all it takes is that, that, that reaffirmation from a complete stranger to yeah. get the to to that light gets turned on from somebody who is has absolutely no connection to you whatsoever other than, you know, like family or, you know, because family members would probably have probably said the same thing to her. Right. And, mm-hmm. it, and it just doesn't get through. Ah, you just don't like him. And you know, there's that automatic block, but when a complete stranger tells you something, it's funny how it's like, Oh, Oh, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. But, you know, women are kind of wired to think that they're going to be able to change somebody or, or fix it or, you know, save them.
0: Save I'm going to love the demons out of you.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. Or, or <laughs> for that matter, just, just be just, uh, uh, um, you know, love them, mother them enough. You know, you're just going to turn it. And, man, I don't want to be somebody's mom. I, don't, I mean, I want to be my own son's mom. But even at this point, I'm like, dude. You, you're on your own. I, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not your mother anymore. I'm I'm actually, I'm, I'm your mom, but I can't mother you anymore. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's a difference and I can't, you, you gotta, you gotta do it. And I'm not saying my sons have had some struggles, right? And I didn't think I was going to get through the teenage years. Oh my Lord. The teenage years with my youngest, I, I, I really thought one of us needs to die and it's not going to be me. And I, I I'm, <laughs> Most days I'm like, dude, huh. what,
0: what That's are pretty you thinking?
1: but, uh, but we got through it on the other side and now they're in their, you know, mid twenties and, and they're doing really well. And, um, you know, we're really close and we, we do a lot of things together. We talk every day and and I, but, but I won't say that it didn't leave some scars for them. It did. But I, I have to believe that it left less scars. If I had stayed in that, I think they would have had more. And, um, you know, it's funny that you said that women go through the same sort of thing because uh, when we first separated, um, he, of course, immediately went into rehab to try to prove to me that he could do it, right? And the rehabilitation people were calling me and saying, it's going to be family day and he really wants you to come. But I was done. I was like, yeah, nope, yeah. come. Not coming. Can't make me. I'm not doing it. I'm done. This is the third rehab. I'm done. And and he and they were like, oh, no, you really did. I think his 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 uh sobriety depends on it. And he really wants to see the boys. And I said, mm, I'm not doing it. So then then his brother called me and then a personal friend called me. So then I was like, fine, I'll go. I'll take the boys. I took the boys. They got to see their dad a little bit. And I was happy for that always wanted them to be able to maintain some sort of relationship with their dad. For sure. He just, they just weren't, he just was not ever going to have sole custody until he got sober. I mean, or have shared custody that that wasn't going to happen because he more, more than once put them in dangerous situations. So I went to that and I went to this family meeting, you know, where they're all sitting around in a circle and all the family members are there. And one of them was a woman and a husband and her two beautiful daughters and she had a problem with, with meth. Mm. And these are, these are not what you would think, right? Like they're affluent. He drove up in a Mercedes. I, I watched them go in and I'm thinking, oh, maybe it must be a teenage boy or something. But no, it was mom. She's gorgeous. She's everything you would want to be as a female. She's got this good looking husband. These two beautiful daughters. And I'm thinking, what on earth? Had to have happened the day that you went. You know, today I think I'm going to try meth. She what, wanted
0: um, to. She wanted to stay skinny.
1: Uh, may, maybe, but I'm thinking what occurred that day that made you go? I'm going to try this substance, and I know that it probably will make me addicted the first time I use it. Everything that you read says that. I don't know if that's true or not. I've never tried meth, but but if that's true, and you know that it's true, and you have a beautiful family what has to happen what goes through your mind and i really felt terrible for that family really really terrible i mean he was fighting for everything to keep them together and i felt terrible i felt like a failure because i'm like i'm not with this person all these couples were together and i'm thinking i'm not i'm not strong like these people in this room i'm not that strong i cannot do this for another 14 another 20 another 30 years I'm not going to watch this person slowly commit suicide. I cannot do it. So, and in some ways I have, you know, mad respect for people who like make that decision and they stay in it no matter what. But then on the other hand, I wonder when you have children, what gets what what is the damage? What's the cost?
0: I think that I mean, my own personal opinion on it is uh, you know, uh... It, it, I know, I know those, I know those people and I know people like that you're talking about as well because I, I used, that was my drug of choice was methamphetamine, right? And I sold it. I, I did it. I was in Vegas when I was doing it and there is a crazy place, right? Cause the, I, this is the first time that I was ever exposed to parents that were getting high on meth with their children. You know what I mean? Their teenage, not teenager, but like the 18, 19, 20, 22 year old children. Like they're they're all doing it, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. I was like, "Dude, the last thing I would like, I would like want to do this with my mom or or my dad." You know, I was like, "This, I, I, I was the kind of addict that you know, I went away when I knew I was doing bad. I, I, I got away from everybody because I didn't want anybody to to be a part of of you know my my stuff." So I was like, "God, how weird," but. That's right. You know, a lot of some of these, some of these women that I would, you know, sell to was, were those people, you know, and, you know, maybe their girlfriend told them, Hey, there's this stuff. You know what I mean? This is great. Uh, no, I actually 19 episode 19 Satya Tara same thing. Her friend told her that, Hey, there's this thing that you can take that will, you know, uh, help you to not, not eat and, and maintain your weight. Right and like she even said in in the in the in the interview that we had or the conversation she was like you know i just i didn't think anything of it i was like oh great and within like 6 months lost everything you know and was homeless like and this was a really extreme case i mean the, the, yeah, what, sure. what, what made sure. me like uh seek her or reach out to her was the the pictures cuz i there's pictures of her while she was actively in addiction and it was like holy shit you, you, whoa you know it's like i i couldn't believe the the difference between the two like like how how are you that how how is that exactly. you know
1: and yeah, so yeah I, it's
0: it's a it's a mean drug man
1: yeah i volunteered at a at a homeless shelter uh in the food bank and helping try to teach uh cooking classes to people who were um in transitional trying to get into housing you know and had been sober for so long and they'd met all the requirements and and a lot of them hadn't cooked in years and you know just needed to have an idea as to how you eat some eat skills
0: food. right some some <laughs> some basic life skills
1: yep and I you know i would be floored because i'd uh you know they would tell me how old they are and i'd just be like what you're 20 years younger than me <laughs> you look 20 years older yeah yeah and you know and and most of them their drug of choice was meth uh, a few alcoholics but but mostly it was, they were, they had been math addicts. And I, you know, I, I don't have a, I don't have an addictive personality. So it's really hard for me to understand. And I also have the good fortune of having had been raised in the church and not having lots of trauma happen to me. Right. My, my parents were good are, are good people and took great pains to be in my mind, in my sister's lives and and now, were they strict? And were they? Was my dad overbearing? And did they do shit that made me angry sometimes? Like my dad would show up on my dates, like just show up, things like that, you know, to try to control me. Yeah, yeah, that 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 stuff made me mad. But that's not trauma, you know. That's that's a very different kind of thing. So I'm I'm lucky in that, and I'm uh, and so it's hard for me to wrap my mind around why when someone is losing everything and they can see that they're losing everything, they can't just quit except that you know you look at biology and you look at the physiology and you look at the chemistry that it goes on in the brain and and the way that the brain rewires itself you know for to to want more of that and then when you when you educate yourself you, you get it and and you you can you can understand it on that level but but it is really hard for me to to get it on an intellectual level. I, I, I empathize with it, but I, it's hard for me to get it on an intellectual level. And speaking of Vegas, my husband and I went to Vegas last year and, you know, we, we had never been, I'd never been to Vegas. And we, 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 we were laughing about it. And we were like, Hey baby, Vegas, baby, you know, what stays in Vegas, you know, and all that. And we got there and we hit the strip and that was the only day we went because I told him, I said, I can't do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It is so Sad to me. It's so, so, it made me terribly sad because, yes, there would be families sitting out on the street smoking meth together, so absolutely gone that they can't even hold their eyes open. Young people clearly having, you know, on heroin, whatever, and then, and they're there on the strip. And then just, I don't know, it was an atmosphere that I was like, hell no, I'm not doing this. Right. So we spent most of our days going out to the desert and doing other things and went into the city and got away from the strip and 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 enjoyed some lovely food and all of that. But, man, no thank you.
2: Uh-huh. No
1: thank you. I It literally really made me sad for those people. I just could do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a place I would ever think of. I'm not going, oh, I hope my son settled
0: there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it definitely wasn't a place, uh, you know, it, it chewed me up and spit me out. I, I, my last residency there was, uh, uh state prison. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, Vegas, I didn't do well there. Let's just say, um, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to like touch on a little bit, but we gotta, we gotta wrap this up here. Uh, I got, mm-hmm. I got another one at nine. So I need a little bit of time in between, but the whole, like Bible Belt, mm. evangelical, mm-hmm. religious. I mean that like that really. I'm not. All right, I'm not. Okay. Re- I'm not religious at all. I mean, I believe in. And there's something out there, but I'm not. I don't put God on it because anytime you know, uh, man gets involved with something, he corrupts it. Oh yes. And so I don't believe in that story because that's what it, really what it is. The Bible is a story. All right. In my opinion, I, I might be wrong. You know, maybe there was maybe, maybe somebody did come back to life, uh, you know, in three days and rose again and, and all of that, that, that stuff. Uh, I don't believe in it, uh, but there, there are things that I do, I can't explain in, in that kind of like, all right, well, maybe there is something, but like the, are are you evangelical still? Are, are you?
1: No, sir, no, sir. No, um, so I'll tell you what was the last straw for me. I I I, after I was while I was working on my doctorate, I got a job at a local evangelical college being head of the voice department. And um when they found out that I had been divorced, they let me go. What? Yeah, yeah. And I asked the I asked the dean, I was like, so you would be okay with me being in a marriage where the person is abusive? physically mentally and uh doesn't support their children puts them in a in poverty that you'd be okay with but you're not okay with me leaving that person who does those things and he was like i'm sorry but it's not biblical we gotta let you go
0: that's crazy
1: <laughs> and, yeah so i i walked away from that and that was the last straw and i basically went like this and uh, i've been done with anything evangelical and and yeah absolutely you're you're absolutely right it 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 is corrupted by by men and 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 in my opinion zealots are zealots it doesn't matter what religion i don't care if you're talking about islam i don't care if you're talking about judaism i don't care if you're talking about christianity i don't i don't care what religion you're talking about if you're a zealot well, it's it all, all the
0: same yeah all it all same. it all it all stems from the same place like yeah. these religions all all spawn from from one thing right and they just sort of oh, well, branched right. off. They branched yeah. off into different, different. You know what I mean? Different parties, yeah. parties, if you want to call them that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sex, right? Yeah. And and yeah. And,
0: and what my, pro- my my problem with religion and government is is because it's supposed to be separate, right? Church and state. Yes. Do you know how ingrained religion is in politics? Yes. And and from that part of the world. From mm-hmm. uh, the bushes, we're in in Texas. Uh, the Clinton country is where you're from, you know. We we don't want to start talking about the Clintons, um, you know, and and how many people uh, the body count the body count that follows them. <laughs>
1: I'm a libertarian, so
0: m- me you too.
1: But to want to if you want to, but but uh, I you know it, it's it's look m- most things stem from fear, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And and religion's fear is they can't control, they're not going to control. They're not going to have control over the masses. They're not going to have control over what you know or what you think. And then, therefore, they're not going to have control over your pocketbook.
0: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
1: And you're thinking, and that's why a lot of evangelicals are like, no, you shouldn't go get a, you should not go get a, a, a degree. They'll tell you how to think, and it'll ruin you, right? So
0: No, it'll ruin you. Yeah, <laughs> it'll yeah, ruin okay. you. It'll ruin it for you exactly. because my money will stay in my pocket, and it'll go somewhere else.
1: Exactly. So, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, I'm I'm a very different
0: girl than I was in my in my 20s. Well, for sure, I I would probably be consider myself libertarian to a certain extent as well. I believe that you know, I stay out of my business. You know what I mean? Stay out of my shit. I'll pay yep. my taxes. Uh, don't try to control yep. me. Don't tell me what I can and I can't do if I'm not hurting anybody. Uh, you know, and, and we can probably have a conversation about that on another podcast because I I believe that, you know, we need a third party for sure, especially in the times that we're in right now.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: but I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. So why don't you go ahead and plug all your places, spaces and tell people where they can find you, your book. Uh, you wrote a book, obviously. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, I do now. Uh, Um, yeah, go ahead and do that.
1: Oh, well, okay. So the book is not out yet, but it's, it's, it's on my, it's on mindfulness and it's, it's called mindfulness of singing. It'll be out hopefully soon. And it is for the non-singer. It's for somebody who wants to kind of re uh, think their life or rethink the way that they um, deal with everyday stress and things like that through the healing of their own voice and their own sound. It's not about singing pretty. It's about how you can use your voice to make a difference in your your daily habits such as meditation and things like that. So it's a mindfulness book. Um, I have, I have things that are published that are about singing that are in that, but nobody's going to care about that. Believe me. Um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, unless you're a singer and you might, but anyway. Um, yeah. So I have a podcast also, and it's called high notes with Dr. B and it is all about uh, it, it's, it's about women who are doing things like I did, like, getting out of their, getting out of their issues, getting out of their problems, trying to find a way to live a better life and doing things like that. So uh, that's what it is. Higher announced with Dr. B. It's a podcast. Well,
0: that's awesome. Well, you heard it here. You can find Dr. B. Uh, and it, uh, Denise uh, Bernardini. Cause you had, you sent me a Ritter, but it wasn't.
1: my name and that's how, that's what I sing under. So oh, yeah. if you ever look to see me sing it's all under it's denise ritter on youtube or whatever and i just have stayed with that in terms of like a lot of my social media as a singer so
0: yeah yeah well I, I, I that's why i was confused when you uh you right. call you you hit me up yesterday i'm like wait a minute uh i don't know yeah. let me let me find out i'm glad you called the or you 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 hit me up though because el- or else this wouldn't have happened because i didn't i you know i'm in the middle of like transitioning uh, how i do some things and some some interviews got lost in the shuffle and you know yeah. so yeah all right well hey i appreciate your time uh hey, on. you're welcome have a great friday and a great weekend